met you. Uh, I'd love to meet you afterwards. Um, uh, we're going to come into that passage in a few moments, but I thought before we do, I just thought it might be just good to pray uh, for our brother Craig, Craig Tubman, who's the chaplain of St Andrew's Cathedral School, uh, where you've no doubt been hearing the news of the tragic events that have unfolded later in late last week. Uh, and uh, Craig and Naomi have been part of this congregation uh, since the beginning of this year and um, I've been blessed to have them with us uh, and we've been, I've been in touch with Craig over the weekend, uh, over the last few days and just um, uh, he, he's valuing our prayers for wisdom and leadership and pastoral leadership of the school, particularly in his role as chaplain at this time. So I'm going to pray for him. This uh, letter of James... Uh, this term and it's been written by the brother of Jesus and it is uh, written to a bunch of first century Christians who are likely quite a knowledgeable bunch of Christians who knew a lot of stuff, knew a lot of facts, probably they were quite confident in what they knew and it's a very practical letter in many ways uh, but the, the, the challenge that we've seen as we've looked at James is that uh, these uh, Christians were in danger of not putting what they know about God, what they claim to believe about God and claim to believe about Jesus into practice. And today we come to the subject of how we speak, our words, our tongue and the power our words have not only over our lives but the lives of others. Uh, I'm not sure if you grew up with the playground proverb, sticks and stones will break my bones but names will never hurt me. Uh, now that's uh, one of those uh, lessons that we were taught, or we might have taught our kids, and you can understand a little bit why we do that, you know, we don't want mean kids to get under our skin, and so we teach them this little proverb, but it's a strange lesson because it's just really pretty, pretty wrong, really, it's completely wrong, isn't it? In fact, it's the opposite of how the world is, you know, if, if our bones have been broken, they can be healed, we can, put, we can have surgery and all those kind of things, but the scar and the damage of words can so often be permanent and very deep. And James, I think, knows this as he writes it, so he devotes, devotes this section, these 12 verses, uh, to helping us understand the seriousness with which we are to take the way that we speak. Our speech matters a lot. If there's one thing you take away from this morning, it's that. Our speech matters a lot. And to break that down, I've kind of broken up uh, what James is uh, teaching over six reasons why attending to our speech matters a lot. The first is, our speech matters because we are accountable for our words. See there in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. Now, we do know that proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, the word of Jesus, the life that is in his name, is something that we want all Christians to be doing. We want Christians to be doing it in an unrestrained way, to declaring the wonders of the gospel. But James also warns that our words have consequences and that those who teach, whether officially or not, should be very cautious and sober-minded because we will be accountable for our words. It's a bit of a caution for those people who are so eager to have a platform, a voice, to teach without being sober-minded that when we speak, 
Our words are more than just sound waves in the air. There are consequences. Our words have power. Now, for people like myself, where I spend a lot of time talking and speaking, I don't think it's just applicable to people like myself in this role. I think it's anyone uh, with, a, with a particular role where you're spending a lot of time speaking and a lot of people are spending a lot of time listening. We should be careful with our words because our words have power and we will be held to account for our words. Now, this should cause people in those kind of roles to be quite sober-minded and cautious and humble and tremble before we speak, but also for people who perhaps have been uh, hurt by the church, perhaps hurt by teachers, teachers who might have abused their position of influence, twisted things, manipulated things. There's actually a word of comfort in this verse that these teachers will be held to account uh, they will be held to account. There's a sense in which God takes speaking and speech so seriously that it's been signalled out that teachers will be held to account for the words they're using. So that's the first thing. We're all going to be accountable for our words, especially those who are involved in speaking words with a large listenership, so to speak. The second uh, reason uh, that James gives us that our speech matters a lot is that our speech reflects our whole body there. You can see there in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. Now, this is a puzzling sentence, I think, at first. It, it doesn't seem to actually be saying if we just get our words exactly right, then everything about our whole body and life will be right. That's not what it's saying. It seems closer to the fact that the way... The way somebody controls and conducts their speech will reflect to a certain extent their ability to control their whole body. Uh, and we know this, that the way, we, the way that we speak in a controlled or uncontrolled way can reveal often our heart and, and what's, behind, uh, what's behind what we're doing. So uh, a number of years ago, soon after um, Vic and I were married, there was a time... Uh, we, we went away with, with some friends and, um, and I can't remember the exact situation but I remember we were, we were driving around, I think we were, we were in two separate cars, we were in one car and there was the other couple in another car and I think we called them across uh, about some, where we were going to meet for lunch or something like that. And I still can't remember the details but some, for some reason we, we, I said, oh, they said, they said, oh, we're going to go to that burger place and we said, okay, fine, let's go to that burger place and we hung up and then I remember saying, I can't stand that burger place, you know. Why do we always have to go to where they want to go, right? And, and I thought I'd hung up. <laughs> right? Uh, and our words reveal our heart, right? Um, you know, and, and you, can, you can backtrack and all those kind of things, but they reveal our heart. You can kind of, there's moments where you're like, Ooh, hang on a second, is this an on-record on conversation? Our words reflect our whole body. The third thing is our speech matters because our speech directs our whole body. That is, the extent to which we give careful thought to how we speak uh, will not just be limited to uh, how careful we are in and, and thoughtful we are in our speech. It will actually flow out into all the things that we do. So James gives two examples, which Vic mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, two examples of something as small 
as a tongue and as and our speech can, can, can have great power. He talks about the horse there in verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We also guide the whole animal. Now, I'm not an expert in horses, but again, it seems that it's true. How we use that bit in the horse's mouth, it will determine the extent to which the whole horse will obey us. It's kind of amazing. I think like that piece of leather and that little bit of metal will only weigh a tiny little bit amount. It can move like a couple of hundred kilograms one way or the other that that kind of ability just to 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 guide something so large and then you've got a massive ship as well in verse four the ship with a very large hit around by waves it guided by a very small rudder you know those massive oil tankers they've got a rudder and they can kind of still go in a particular direction depending on where the rudder is pointing it's, the analogy is clear that depending on what we're doing with our tongue and our speech, it can direct the course of our life and the influence and the, the, the sphere of relationships that are around us. It can, it can have such a, a power over that particular area. And the words that we choose to say or not say will have such a profound impact on those people around us, their values, our culture, all those kind of things. Our speech directs our whole body. Now, in one sense, we can talk about that at, at, at an individual level. So we can talk about it uh, so that the way that I speak will, in a sense, uh, shape the kind of person that I am if I talk a particular way about... If I, I'm sorry, I keep bringing Vicky into this. I, sh- I, sh- I haven't even checked these ones off with you. But if I, if I speak positively all the time about Vicky, then that'll actually affect the way the relationship goes if i'm always being sarcastic and cynical that'll also affect it the way that we speak about other people actually affects the way that we feel and our attitudes towards other people that can happen at an individual level but i think james is also talking about the whole body in terms of the whole community the way that we speak as a community will transform our culture and the things uh, that we value i remember a church that i was at a number of years ago where there was this um real culture of cynicism in the church uh, and you'll, it was very common to hear i'm going to call the church st mark's but it wasn't st mark's but just imagine that the church was called st mark's it was very common to hear things like comments like oh that's so typical of st mark's or you know what st mark's really needs to be doing is focusing on dot 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 you know why doesn't the church do dot 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 now i remember when i was at the church the minister at the time he could have got up there and tried to address the culture of cynicism, break it down bit by bit and try to sort of deconstruct what's going on in the heart, what's going on theologically, all these kind of things, and try to change that culture by addressing it that way and this way. But what he actually did was he just, just got up there and said, can we just talk about the church in first-person language? That is, instead of saying, why isn't the church... Why aren't I, or why aren't we? (laughs) And it was fascinating that almost overnight, (laughs) the cynicism dissipated. The culture changed because of the way that we spoke. It was like that little bit in the hall just changed the direction of the church. Just a couple of syllables, a couple of letters. Those little, little words completely changed the culture. Our speech is so powerful. The fourth thing is our speech matters because it has, and this is already kind of, we've already touched on this, it has the power to destroy so much. 
So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites. And the tongue is a fire, the tongue a world of unrighteousness is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire and is set on fire by hell. Uh, a number of years ago, you might have remembered the 2016 presidential campaign where I think it was uh, Trump versus Clinton, and I'm not going into the politics, but there was a particular incident where Donald Trump was caught on tape saying some vile, vile things, uh, and it was very public and everything, and he was being called to account for this language, and he would say, well, it was just words. It was just locker room talk, as if that's as far as it goes. He says, I'm not proud of it, but it was just words. Words reflect the character and they do great damage. Great damage. Whole lives have been literally destroyed by bullying, by words. Whole churches have been completely torn apart by false teaching, by words. Our speech matters because it has the power to destroy so much. Uh, fifthly, our speech matters because we struggle to control it. Verse 7, every sea creature, reptile, bird or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth. So much good can come out of our speech and so much damage. We can be seeing these wonders and these truths this morning and we can have these conversations and say these words on the way home that we just regret. Wonderful praise, destructive words. We can feel with our speech, it's so wild and uncontrollable at times. I mean, a classic example is those well-intended conversations that can descend to gossip so quickly, possibly starting with some prayer points, <laughs> sharing some prayer points, which turn into prayer words of slander. Uh, it's so easy uh, at times, and you might know that experience, you are told something confidential and you're told you mustn't tell anybody, right? And so you go, okay, I won't, I won't tell them, I promise. You find someone you really want to tell, you tell them, but you think you've done your duty if you tell them not to tell anybody. You know that experience? As long as you pass on to the next person that it's confidential, you haven't really broken. <laughs> you know that experience where you go, as long as you don't tell anybody, and there's this whole chain of talking and breaking confidence, as long as is that uncontrolled, wild speech, well-intended. At times, when we wake up the next day wishing we could have said and controlled our speech better. Sixth reason why our speech matters is that these things shouldn't be this way. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. That is, this is not the way we are created. This is a reality in our world. This is a reality that we as human beings... Uh, continue to struggle with. James's readers 
clearly do, the uncontrolled, untamed tongue, but this is not good. As Christians, we can sometimes, or we can sometimes find ourselves saying, well, we're only human, you know, I, 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 we're not perfect, all this kind of, this is not the way it should be. Our tongues have been designed for praise, to lift up, to bring life, not death, not destruction. But our speech matters so much because this isn't the way things should be. So we're going to think in a moment about what we're going to take from this, but I just want to recap what our six things. First of all, our speech matters because we're accountable for our words. Secondly, because our speech reflects our whole body. Thirdly, our speech is something that directs our whole body and a whole culture. Fourthly, our speech has the power to destroy. Fifthly, our speech matters because we struggle to control it. And sixthly, our speech matters because this is not the way that we are made. So then what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do? How can we... What, do we just, in one sense, the big lesson from this passage, from this, these 12 verses from James, is quite simple, that this is a serious matter and we should really give it serious consideration. God that we worship is a speaking God. We're made in his image and so our words are so important because our speech is so powerful. And next week we will be thinking a little bit more about how we can transform our speech through the wisdom and the actions that come in light of the gospel. But let's briefly think about, I think I've got four quick ways forward uh, that we can take on this today. First of all, the first way forward, uh, and it might sound, uh, it kind of came out of the second reading, is to be sober. And we often don't talk about why is it that if you've been a Christian for a while and you know what Christians believe, that Christians are not people who get drunk or not called not to get drunk. Christians do get drunk, but we're called not to get drunk. Why is that? Is it just because drunkenness is wrong? We know that alcohol is not bad in and of itself. One of the reasons that we are called to be sober is if we know how serious our speech is, why would we want to put anything into our bodies that make us less in control of our tongue than we already are? I've been to a number of occasions and I find it, sometimes I've been playing music at various weddings over the years and I've been with church people and Christian people and I see them on Sundays and I see the wedding and and it's quite embarrassing to hear the kind of words, sometimes slandering somebody else with the loose speech, someone's ridiculous flattery, all these things under the influence of alcohol, but these words can't be taken back. So one very basic way forward as Christians is not to be anti-alcohol, but to be committed to being sober because speech matters, our actions matter. The second comes from James chapter 1, verse 19. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, that's a, that's a good general principle, isn't it? But if speech matters, let us be cautious in the way that we speak and quick to listen and quick to understand. The third way forward is, we'll see this again next week in verse 17, seek the wisdom... From above, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial 
and sincere. That is the context. That's the, we, we want that to be the framework by which we seek to make our speech, to make our, make our words known, is from this wisdom that comes from heaven. That's the one that brings peace. And we'll see next week that the wisdom, of earthly wisdom, brings bitterness and a whole bunch of other things. But we're thinking, when we, when we approach the way we speak, we're seeking the wisdom from above. And the fourth thing which relates to that, which our final thing is, how do we do that? If we're going to be people where our speech matters, we have to first and foremost make sure we're listeners and hearers of God's word. God's word which speaks, I mean, power of God's word. I mean, Jesus gets up at the back of a boat in the middle of the storms and says, be quiet, be still. And what happens? The waves are completely flat. The power of God's word is big, right? Jesus says, be clean, and people are clean. Jesus says to us, go in peace, you're forgiven. And we're forgiven. The power of those words. Have we heard God's word to us? Have we really listened? Do we know who we are? Ephesians puts it this way. You're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. Let's speak like it, hey? 1 Peter writes this, You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that you may declare slander and gossip. Of course not. The praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you're a people, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God, once you've not received mercy, but now you have. Have we heard God's word to us? If we take our speech seriously, we'll be listeners of others and listeners primarily, first and foremost, of God's word before we speak. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your good word of salvation to us, the word that has come to us in your son, the word that gives us life. And we acknowledge that as we await that glorious day, that we are people who are prone to being blown around with an untamed tongue. Now, James is aware of this. We are very much aware of this, that we have had so many moments of things that we regret with our words. And we ask that you'll be transforming our words as we are listeners of you seeking the wisdom from above. Help us to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Help us to be sober-minded. Help us to take our speech seriously because of the power it has over life and death. We ask this in the name of your Son.